Hello and welcome back to Hide and Speak with me, Matt Saxon, and welcome to episode 9. Just quickly before I get into the episode, I'd like to mention to you that I'm finally releasing some new music and it's coming very soon. The project is called The Early Purple and I'm very excited about it. And yeah, it's been a long time in the making. So if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about it, my Instagram and Twitter are at the early purple so give them a follow i'll of course link these all in the description okay so joining me today is the twice mercury prize nominated everything everything bassist jeremy pritchard jeremy and the band are currently touring the uk and i was very happy for him to take a few hours away to join me in the bird hide during his show at newcastle at the time this podcast airs the band are still on tour so you still have a chance to see them live i was at the newcastle show and it was tremendous they're such a good band with loads of great tunes that translate perfectly live um yeah next month may the 20th everything everything released their sixth studio album entitled raw data feel the first three songs teletype bad friday and i want a love like this are available now so go give them a listen if you've not already so yeah once again thank you very much for listening please enjoy episode 9 jeremy pritchard of everything everything hello and welcome to the podcast and uh i'm joined here by jeremy from everything everything hello hello hello, hello, hello. are thank you good you. thanks for having me yeah yeah i'm really good thank you this is a very idyllic peaceful thing to be doing on a show day yeah man i'm glad i'm glad you're uh i'm glad you're up for it yeah i'm really up for it um we've got uh we're at the we're at the thornley woods bird hide oh what's that on that bird feeder i don't my, my watch is making some weird noises what's going on i've there? got the only pair of binoculars so it is my duty to tell you that it's no oh, it's gone now it's a bird what's it oh, cold it hit or something uh, it looked like a great tit. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not what's, that good on my... I was just going to say, what's your knowledge like on, well, on birds? My parents live near a pond, so my knowledge of water birds has become unexpectedly all right okay. later in life. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. So, like, I know that's a mallard. We've been watching yeah. her. Yeah. And they have, like, Egyptian geese sometimes in swans on this pond. Egyptian so, geese? Yeah. I don't even think I've heard of that. That's have a look in the book, because they've got really this amazing sort of eye makeup. Right. There's a pair. So I'm all right on my water birds, but the rest of it I'm not that good on. Also, now that the, we're rolling, it seems like an amusing opportunity to confess that I am actually mildly phobic <laughs> of birds, which is why I wanted to do this. <laughs> not, I'm not actually afraid of them, but... Wow. The smaller the bird, the more they kind of mildly freak me out. Okay, well, we're probably in we'll a... come back to that. We're probably in a bad spot because <laughs> no, you see this... No, it's fine. No, honestly, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm only partly joking. Well, because... This ledge in front of her here... Yeah, well, that's fine. The birds come and feed on this. Yeah, I like that. I mean, that. there's no feed on there at the minute, It'll but be good for me. Yeah. It'll so be fine. It's, it's a really funny thing because I'm not actually afraid of birds, but there's something about their own vulnerability that's slightly freaks me out do you know what I mean like yeah, they what? seem so delicate and also I think because I always grew up with cats there's just constant slaughter okay yeah 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 <laughs> so I think <laughs> probably 
Were you like were your cats the ones that like gave gave you presents every yeah, morning and stuff? Yeah, oh, it was mostly a lot of voles and stuff. Who's this at the top of the field there? Oh, it was a pheasant. Oh, it was a pheasant. Yeah, right See, to the pheasants and even pigeons. They have a bit of substance to them. They don't like disturb well, me in any way. The um, it's the smaller birds. The the podcast listeners will know that um, I, I'm I'm down with the pheasants and the pigeons. They get such a bad rep that uh, I feel like someone needs to stand up for them. Why do they get a bad rep? I well, know that pigeons do. Pigeons, you know, thought to be verminous or whatever. Rats with wings. Yeah. That kind of those kind of slanderous comments like that get made. Pheasants. Um, I mean, the chances are that you'll see a pheasant dead by the side of the road yeah. more than seeing an alive one. Well, I'm looking at a live one now, and he's pretty handsome. Yeah. There's something regal about the males, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I think they've just they've also got a reputation of being quite dumb. Yeah. That, that I think that's one of the reasons why they get ran over all yeah. the time, is because, the, you know, they'll see a car coming, and they'll not wait until the car's gone. They'll literally just jump out in front of a car. Which is unfortunate because, yeah, like you say, they're, they're really pretty. They've they got are. really lovely feathers. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. They're not great flyers, right? They can't fly any. They're not very. Yeah, they're a little bit um, cumbersome when they're taken off. Right. I think taken off is probably one of the most common times that they get run over. Yeah, because it's a little bit slow to get off the ground. Yeah. This mallard is uh, not bothered by us at all, is she? Yeah, we've got this female mallard coming in, just checking She's out very, the grass for feed. She's very. Um, appealing. It's lovely, yeah. Very lovely. But when you actually look at the feathers, they are gorgeous, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. That sort of stylish blue stripe they all have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder where the fella is. Yeah, he can't be far away. No. Do they mate for life? Or Good just question. Or like a season? I have no idea. Um, my knowledge of birds is still very minimal. But uh, I do like them. And obviously I'm, I'm really interested in the way they sound. Mm-hmm. I certainly wouldn't want to live in a world without birds. Yeah, I'm. Um, but I don't want one to land on my shoulder. That's that's my attitude. <laughs> <laughs> what are you kind of like worried that you're gonna do something if a bird comes a bit too close to you? Like, are you gonna... I'm not that I'm gonna hurt it. I just I don't know. I can probably trace this back actually to um, okay. an incident. Oh look at so him, he's lovely. Jeremy, yes. where did this all start? <laughs> so, yeah, this is like therapy for me. Um, I think I was playing hide and seek with my brother. Um, when I was about four at like a National Trust property somewhere down right, south yeah, and I yeah. think I was hiding under a bush and came face to face with a decomposing sparrow oh. which probably upset me Right, I think yeah. so I've got a very dim memory of that at least that's how I've decided to frame it Right, but these guys are actually amazing look like, at him yeah. look at his iridescent feathers this yeah, is so the, the pheasant so the pheasants come really close to it now and we're getting a really good show of also his face he's got those nice yeah, red kind of ghibli I bits on his face I how detailed it all is mm-hmm. amazing feathers very nice yeah the action at the pond today is a little bit minimal but I'm hoping that maybe that was because we turned up and it scared some a little bit hopefully they'll just start coming in we've got we've got a bunch of squirrels we've got the pheasant we've got this female mallard I've seen a few a few tits, tits. been kicking around yeah so um, you mentioned you listen to the podcast. So I you, do. You, do you, you understand the format of me asking the guests to describe where we are? Yeah. Well, it's a lovely kind of natural amphitheatre almost, like a little bowl with a pond in the middle at the bottom of this sort of rolling bit of countryside. And we've got some silver birch trees, and I'm not good on trees, holly, 
yeah, and holly tree uh, right in front of her, and a few bits and bobs for like a bird feeder table and some nuts things that the squirrels raid. What do you call those? Bird feeders. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll be it. Yeah. That's One the of the things I really like about your podcast is how necessarily quiet everything is. Like you have <laughs> yeah. to be quite whispery. Yeah, I mean... Uh, it's really soothing. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's good that you notice that, because that's kind of a, a goal that I set out. It's really nice. For those yeah. of us who make our living in noisy environments, I think it's, it's good for us to learn to be to pipe down. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things when I, when I pitch it to guests, when I fall into their DMs or emails or whatever, I'll be like... It's a little bit of an ASMR, ASMR yeah, vibe, is, you know. Yeah. Like we we'll have to be a bit quiet because of the birds, and don't want to disturb know, them. It, it lends a certain signature to to your podcast, doesn't it? It's yeah, nice. I guess so. I guess so. It's good. Uh, good that you point that out. Thank you. Um, it's pheasants investigating us again. Yeah, it's very. Uh, it's gorgeous, actually. Really nice. So do yeah, you, do um, you eat? Do you eat birds? Are you a, are you a carnivore? I or am, I'm, yes. Yeah, well, so am I, really. Although I've been trying not to eat. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really, I'm procrastinating on trying to figure it out. Yeah, personally, I was a vegetarian for about seven or eight years. Yeah, I was and then, in my late teens. Yeah, and all of a sudden, I just started eating meat again. Um, I f- figured that it was something to do with that whole theory about your body changes every seven years. Right. Do you, have you heard yeah. about that? The seven-year yeah. itch and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. Apparently, seven years is how long it takes for the body's cells to completely regenerate. Right, okay. So, technically speaking, you're not the same person you were seven years ago. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I kind of put it down to that. I don't know. I just got a real craving for um for turkey. And really? Yeah. It was a, it was a specific craving. It was a wow. tur- It was a turkey and ham sandwich, and it was in I was I was passing this deli, in downtown LA yeah this is the thing if you're going to eat a sandwich anywhere do it in America <laughs> yeah and it was just this huge sandwich a big ciabatta thing the bread was really fresh the mustard was really yep. tasty sounds amazing and I could just smell it and I was like I'm going to have to get this you know so I got it and since then I don't I don't generally cook with meat no me neither that's sort I, of my excuse yeah I, I, I try to keep it down to a minimum and I think that's I mean that's one of the it's part of the problem is just the whole kind of like the, we we use meat to an excess you know yeah definitely um it's terrible for so everyone and everything isn't it it's yeah one of the great excesses of mankind but yeah i mean going back like i'm i'm i'm, I'm trying to work on it basically yeah and so uh, I, with varying degrees of success i mean it's also hard when you're on tour as well yeah. don't you think it's, it uh, is although i've actually i've i'm only about five six days in but i've stuck to not eating any meat on this tour oh that's good because it just takes one tier of indulgence away <laughs> it means I can't eat absolutely everything I can see what, so what do you like when you're on tour because I know me, for me in particular it's uh, it can swing either way it can be like you're going to be really healthy on tour or or it, I, I like to have healthy mornings and really unhealthy evenings basically okay, I, do, yeah. I, I will try and go out and run Oh man, um, that's good. Which does fade as the tour goes on, but if you start <laughs> as he means to go on, it does. Yeah. Um, I haven't done today because we're doing this, so and I didn't yesterday because I can't remember now. <laughs> Laziness, probably. Yeah. But um, how far do you uh, run? Um, like five to ten k, not a huge amount. 
Five to ten. That's good. Yeah, if I, like anything less than five is kind of pointless for me because I'm quite tall, so I, I I do it quite quickly. Oh, right. So I have so to go over five k to do to do more than like twenty twenty five minutes really. So I bet your pace is like really really fast. Well, I think I've just got a long stride. I'm not like yeah. athletic really. Although I remember when I was at school, I wasn't uh, um, ideologically aligned with the PE department, yeah. shall we say? <laughs> Musicians but, um, never were. Well, you no, know, exactly. <laughs> there was a, like a, a genuine enmity. But yeah. um, I remember the PE teacher saying to me, "It's a shame that in in not so many words, he was like, it's a shame you're such a, an ass because you'd actually be a good runner if you tried.'" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, well, we are where we are." I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What a, what a very blunt teacher. Yeah, well, that's PE, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> PE in the 90s. I hated PE. I was yeah. so bad at PE. I, I liked some aspects of it, because I did play basketball. I enjoyed that. So how tall are you? Six, six, what, six three. four? Six yeah, three. Yeah, it's not, it's not really tall, that. I'm on the taller side, but it doesn't. It gives me a, an unfair natural advantage when it comes to running, which I only really started doing in any with any level of dedication. Look, like a couple of years ago really yeah so what what sparked the whole running phase oh well I mean I've always tried to do it a little bit on tour mm -hmm. um, and I just didn't do it enough yeah <laughs> and um, I was on tour once in Kiev and they had a pair of scales in the hotel lobby and I stood on it and I got a very nasty shock <laughs> I mean I was wearing my clothes and stuff but even, even taking that oh, into account God. I was like bloody hell that's horrible. <laughs> Scales should be thrown off this yeah. planet, really. Uh, they, they do nothing but... I don't know. I've got, I've got a set of skills in my bathroom, and when I last sat on them, uh, stood on them, that's probably why I'm, I'm probably doing it wrong. I'm sitting on them. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I stood on my scales, and it was just like, it was horrible. I got such a shock. I was like, God, I've really got to do something here. Um, yeah. Well, I, oh, oh, look, oh, look, who's this? This is, this wow. is, this is a, this is a nut hatch. Oh, very nice. I've not. I don't think I've seen one of them before. It's still in the oh, pheasant oh, once in on it. Up. So we've just had a nut hatch just bounced down to the bird feeder that's on the table in front of her. And the pheasant has jumped up to the feeder. Yeah, yeah. Pheasant wants in on this actually, but there's a big cage around the bird feed, so so only the smaller bigger birds lads can get like in. him are probably not going to yeah. get it. The nut hatch is just here. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's just flown into the holly tree in front of her. Almost like a kingfisher type shape, isn't it? You know, I've never seen a kingfisher. I think I have. Like he's he's on the feeder over there, you see him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's really nice. Yeah, really nice birds. Who's this in front of us? This is like a great, great tit, tit, yeah. We just had a crow fly in as well, and the tits have turned up, so this is good. Yeah, this is, this is what I was yeah. hoping was going to happen. It's all happening at once. All oh, of a sudden. And that's the nut hatch right there. Oh, he's yeah. yes, it's good that he's kicking around. Yeah, really good birds. They um, they've got really good um, like tree climbing skills. Um, so they're often confused with another bird called a tree creeper. Oh yeah, which is kind of roughly the same size, just slightly different in color. Um, but they're kind of so like you get the you get the the bark of the tree they just kind of yeah latch onto it and they just kind of run up and down oh, like spider-man yeah. on those trees yeah That's not nice. many birds can do that um i forgot i was looking at the um egyptian goose oh yeah i've never seen an egyptian goose they're amazing before. aren't they these guys yeah yeah 
So got this sort of ring around the eye. So is that that's roughly from where you're from, isn't it? I'm from further south. That's like Suffolk, right? East Anglia. I'm from further south. I'm from like the Kent and Sussex border. Yeah. So Tunbridge that's Wales. probably why I've never seen them because yeah, they're, they're kind of they're exclusively southern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Southern birds, eh? Southern birds. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, where were we? We're talking about... Oh, running. Running, yeah. It was a lockdown thing as well, to some extent. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, it was the opposite way around for me because I fell out of love with running just before lockdown. Mm. So I've unfortunately put on a few pounds since then. But um, There's no shame in that. Yeah, well, come to think of it, like, one 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 of my most memorable and favorite tours was one where um, it was a support tour so it was like a two three week tour yeah nice and you know you know the feeling of a a tour support um, a support tour where you kind of like there's no pressure is there you've got loads more time than you would usually Um, so me and Rob the lead singer of Little Comets was uh, we just set out this little kind of task to run a 5k every day that's good so just before sound check or like just after sound check we'd run out and it was like the healthiest most fun kind of well-being tour that i've ever done yeah i think it makes a huge difference it's really good and it's it's so easy to just not get out of your hotel room yeah or not get out of your bus or whatever yeah. um i kind of can't stand that as well though it doesn't make me feel good if i have a day where i'm just completely where's well, that not hatch again not hatch, yeah. if i'm completely sedentary i feel terrible really so yeah. do it, it, one of the other good things about running, besides the actual exertion, is that it does actually force you out of the dressing room. Yeah. You, know, you might get to see a bit of the city you're in, which obviously some of the places I've been to around the world, that's a real privilege. It'd yeah. It would be a waste of the opportunity otherwise. Yeah, that's a, that is a good point, because I do remember feeling like I was a little bit more in touch with the, the cities that mm-hmm. I was in when I was mm-hmm. doing that as well. Not everybody likes to do that, though. You know, a lot of my mm-hmm. colleagues... Colleagues, <laughs> <laughs> um, in every sense of the word, you know, band and crew and different bands, and they're not necessarily that way inclined. They don't. It's easier for them to to remain in the. It's more, it's a more stable thing to remain in the bubble, as it were. Yeah, which I appreciate. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes that's necessary. Yeah. So what you, you were saying, you're about five days into the tour. You're on a UK tour. Yeah, I think this tonight is. We did a little warm up in Bedford, mm-hmm. and then we did. A production day, which is basically an empty gig in Cardiff. Well, we're like sorting the lights out and all that. And then we did the Cardiff show, and then we've done Nottingham and Leeds. So this is actually the fifth gig, I think. Day six, five, fifth gig, something like that. So how's it going so far? Um, Yeah, it's really good. Lots Um, of new songs? Lots of new songs, and songs that are not new, but that we never played live in 2020, because we never played live in 2020. Yeah. So some songs from my last album, Reanimator, that we never, we never rehearsed up. Right. Yeah. So they're tantamount to new songs, and then there are some songs that we've revised from years ago. Yeah. That might as well be new because we're having to almost learn them from scratch. And relearn them. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's actually quite a lot to think about in set, which is good for us. You know, it's rigorous. Yeah, and man. So how long does your, um, how long is your rehearsal phase before a tour? What we used to do would be to do like five or six days solid and then go straight into the tour. Mm-hmm. But now there are there are enough kind of parents, fathers in the band to um, to okay. make that impossible. Right. And actually it's better for us to be a bit more itinerant in some ways. Okay. So we, we've been doing like three-day bursts 
yeah. on and off for weeks, which we needed. And also, I think, especially these days, doing l- a lot of long days back to back, we kind of hit the ceiling of what we can achieve without an audience in front of us quite quickly. Right. <laughs> so, um, it's it's not really worth over rehearsing. Some stuff really needs it. Yeah. But then you quite quickly just get bored, and you just need some people in front of you to for any improvement to take place. Which is why the yeah. first couple of gigs are, are worth twenty rehearsals. You know? It's true. Yeah, it's a really good way of putting it, for sure. Like, yeah, I don't I don't know about you, but the first gig the first gig of the tour is like. It's really nerve-wracking for me but once that one's out of the way I'm like right I'm just totally yeah. sound now I'm happy now yeah um, I get happy because you can as it goes you, along. you can rehearse for days and days and days before a tour and then it, you know like you say uh, the first gig of the tour is like it's worth more than oh, those look at this it's a deer have we got a deer oh got a deer nicely spotted sorry I interrupted you go for it yeah look there he is it's what a, is that? Is it a roe deer? It's a roe deer, yeah. You tell it's the roe deer because it's got a nice little... Um, it, has it got uh, any... I um, can't quite see. It's got antlers? I can't see. If, they are, if, if it has, it's, they're small. Hmm. That was well, nice. I'm glad you got to see that, yeah. Because yeah. this is... Uh, it's well known for deers passing through here. Beautiful. Um, yeah, so anyway. Newcastle tonight. Newcastle tonight. Always a good gig. Yeah, we were, we were discussing in the van over here that you've got a bit of history with Newcastle, haven't you? Yeah, in as much as half the band are from Hexham, went to school in Hexham and are from the area. I think Mike's from Corbridge. Right, yeah. Or Newbrough. Right. His parents live in one now and he grew up in the other and I can never remember which way around it is, which is <laughs> yeah. awful after 15 years. I would think he's from Corbridge. Um, but he went to school in Hexham and Jonathan went to school in Hexham as well mm-hmm. with Mike. And um, at the Queen Elizabeth High School. Oh, I I Shout do a little out. bit of work there actually. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, because I was mentioned I'm, I'm an engineer. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, that's one of my contracts. Is that that's school? That's cool. Yeah, really I'll funny. tell them that. QEHS. Yeah. Um, it's funny because sometimes I feel like I went to that school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I definitely did not. Have you been? Um, have you been invited back to do like talks or anything like that? Because um, I know I've got a, I've got a couple think, of friends who have. I think John and Mike have done things, but they specifically through their old drum teacher because John had the same drum teacher, even though he's not a drummer now. And I can't remember his name now. He's coming tonight, but he's a local legend. And okay. Mike, I think, is doing some stuff with them today. Actually, right. Talking to his drum students, Jeff. His name's Jeff. Jeff. Can't remember Jeff, Jeff, yeah. Michael tell you later on anyway. But yeah, he's uh, he's a big one of the good the big reasons we're here, I suppose, really. I think he was one of those kind of magic music teachers that just um in, imbued them both with the sense of possibility in music. So so that's nice. good. And good. Uh, yeah, Jonathan's from a, a village called Gilsland, which is right on the Cumbrian border. Yeah. Further west. Mm-hmm. And you can always pinpoint exactly where his house is if you look at a map of the UK. Because if you, right. if you <laughs> cross the county line, the Cumbria Northumbria, Northumberland, sorry, um, border, right, and where the Roman Wall was, right, yeah, that's that's the shed where he used to record all his early demos. No it's way. literally on that spot. Wow, it's mad. <laughs> so, so he was what he was like living in Hadrian's Wall. 
Almost, yeah. There, there were kind of bits of the Roman wall, Hadrian's wall, in their back garden. Wow. That's and, cool. And his parents still live there, so I yeah. haven't been there for yeah. a few years, but yeah, it's a really nice part of the world. Well, everybody, you know where Jonathan's mum and dad are. <laughs> <laughs> you hadn't thought of that. <laughs> um, no, that's really nice. It's a, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful part of the country, really. It is, yeah. Um, I thought that, as I say, I grew up in Kent, in like a Georgian spa town, but I thought that I was like from a relatively rural background yeah, yeah. until I went to where Jonathan grew up, and it is amazingly yeah. remote. Yeah, and kind definitely. of wild, you know, the, the Cumbrian, Northumbrian um, countryside. It's, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, re- yeah, it's really good. It's like, um, I don't know, during lockdown, I kind of fell back in love with the place because I was planning on leaving the country mm. at one point. And um, during lockdown, I was just like, I'm so glad I didn't move out of this country because it's just amazing. Because it was around about that time when you were allowed to go out for a walk every yeah, day yeah and i just that took full advantage of that but where i live is in a it's like right in the middle of nowhere pretty much there was there's you know there's never anybody around you on on any normal day so i was going out for like two three walks every yeah, day and, i was uh, doing a lot of that yeah i really fell back in love with the place and and the history up here in northumberland is just like with hadrian's wall and whatnot it's just fantastic there's so much to learn and uh obviously so much wildlife and nature to see and yeah really, I had a similar really experience even living in, in middle class suburban Manchester uh-huh. I was I realised that I'd never really noticed the trees in blossom in my local area before because I'd always been on tour at that point in the year oh, right, <laughs> so to okay. have no, to be kind of grounded and um, and have nothing to do but go out for a walk in that initial burst of amazing weather that we had in the March and the April of that first lockdown yeah, felt like quite the novelty for the first bit of it. Quite enjoyed that. Yeah, it was also the first time I started paying attention to how birds sound, because do you remember how, how people talked about how resurgent the natural world seemed to be at that point? Yeah, and, I mean, I was, there was no traffic. There's no noise from the traffic. Yeah, the thing you that could just hear loads of birds all the time. The thing that got me was like I was driving back. Um, it was like three p.m driving down a dual carriageway there was hardly anybody on the road and a deer just like walked over the road and I was like something's going on here because there's no chance like without lockdown that a deer would do that in the Mm -hmm. middle of the day Mm -hmm. so yeah it was um, yeah that's pretty and I'm pretty sure there was like stories of of sheep and deer kind of taking back villages in in the countryside (laughs) and they, they were Dolphins in the lagoon in Venice yeah. again because there weren't any cruise liners. All those kind of wow. idyllic, symbolic, idyllic stories. Yeah, which obviously didn't last very long because as soon as we can get planes in the sky again, we did. Yeah, oh, that was a, that was another really odd thing for me. It's not really seeing planes in the yeah, sky. Yeah, it was it was weird. It was quite yeah. it was quite peaceful as well. I did enjoy that first bit mm-hmm. a little bit. But um, looking at your discography. Mm. I saw that you've. I, it's almost like you guys have taken a little bit of. Uh, you've 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 taken all of that time to write a shit ton of music because you've released like two albums. Well, you're about to release your second one That's, from there. Uh, that is true. Well, I think it feels that way because we actually had the album wrapped up. Right. At least we'd finished the the music. Yeah. Bit. Uh huh. Um, we'd literally just mixed and track listed it, and then we were just getting our teeth into 
things like videos and artwork and mm-hmm. press pictures and all that stuff, and all of which became impossible overnight because we yeah. couldn't get together to do that stuff. So we were forced, this was in, yeah, obviously the March of 2020. We had a finished album. And we were forced into thinking uh, inventively about how we could present ourselves. Yeah. So we, um, Jonathan wa- had wanted to learn this 3D modeling software called Blender for ages. And he had right. the time to do it. And he said, get whoever you're living with to photograph you like a hundred times on an iPhone from certain angles and I'll put no that way. into the software. And he made a load of different press images and two videos that way. Wow. And then we were kind of able to roll that out over the summer of 2020 and then the album came out in the September. Yeah. And was, I, I'm, I really like that record and it was really well received by yeah. fans and critics and all that, <laughs> but it almost immediately withered on the vine because it just didn't have any live expression yeah I mean we couldn't we couldn't tour yeah I think quite a lot of people were like that releasing music during during lockdown and not being able to tour it um, yeah it's funny you made me realise just I mean I've always known this and it's it's been increasingly true but the shelf life of a record in in people's consciousness in people's Spotify playlisting is so brief now compared to it's life on the road yeah that's when you get the kind of victory lap and you're able to kind of breathe life into back into the music but if you can't do that then it's just the album only has oxygen for a matter of weeks really yeah it's a really nice way of putting it well nice yeah. wrong kind of word but you know well it's just it's just an interesting phenomenon yeah albums don't last as long I don't think in people's minds as they once did certainly not for, for artists like us yeah I mean, if you're Adele you can put out an album every five years and it will actually stay in people's cast areas for all of that time yeah exactly but you're um so you you're touring the new album am i right yeah but but these these dates that were originally supposed to take place two years ago that got rescheduled because of the pandemic and then rescheduled again and then rescheduled again so we we did at least three reschedules Mm -hmm. and these dates were we just stuck to them. We were like, if we can get the album out in time, brilliant. If we can't, we're going to do them anyway because it would have been so difficult to move them around a fourth time yeah. and find the availability we needed and all of that. So, as it is, we're touring an album that isn't yet out, but three three songs are. We're playing a couple of others from this album. Yeah, and we'll do more dates after the album's out. Yeah, well, it's also May like twentieth. It's also a good way to have not much pressure on you for performing the brand new songs yeah that's true um, it's it's um it's rare that we've done this where we've we've played songs that people don't know and i don't think we've done it for 10 years but even then yeah we were playing songs that we hadn't yet recorded whereas this time we've recorded the songs but people still don't know them because they're not out yet so mm-hmm. it's like road testing stuff that you can't change. <laughs> yeah, I so know what a, you mean, in yeah. a way, it's kind of exciting because it's it's just a new experience for us. Yeah, which at this stage is kind of rare. We did a tour. Our first kind of big support tour was three weeks around UK arenas. It was a really wow. long tour with Snow Patrol, and we were a month or so away from going in to record our second album. So we spent half of those sets playing songs 
that we hadn't yet recorded. And that well, was the yeah. last time we did that. Because we had nothing to lose, really. Well, that's what I was saying before about doing a support tour. You, yeah. you, there's zero pressure. You yeah. can play whatever songs yeah. you want. You don't have to worry about yeah. things like ticket sales. and Exactly. Yeah. You, you've, They're yeah. quite appealing. You're the last one to turn, to turn up to the venue and you're the first one to leave if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, interesting. So touring with Snow Patrol, mm. that must have been pretty wild. Yeah, it was a big arena production. They did, they were doing like huge numbers of shows considering the number of tickets that they sold in those three weeks must have been enormous because they did like, I think we did at least three, maybe even four nights at the O2. And we did three nights at Belfast Odyssey because they're sort of a Belfast band, mm -hmm. but via Glasgow, which meant we did at least two, maybe three Birmingham... Uh, um, Glasgow, sorry. What's it called, the big one there? Glasgow, SECC. Hydro, was it? Hydro? No, SEC. Yeah, S uh, yeah I think Hydra is newer, but in those days it was the SECC. Yeah. Like huge sort of conference hall <laughs> turned into a gig. Yeah. We did two or three nights there. And then, like, all the other UK arenas, Manchester, Sheffield, Aberdeen even. Wow. Oh, it's hailing now. It's going to have an ecological oh, effect. It sounds really good on the headphones. A little bit of rain nice. coming down. Very soothing. Oh, there we go. There's the ASMR coming in. This is an award-winning moment. <laughs> oh, speaking of awards... <laughs> go on, then. <laughs> Well, I was just, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that you saw the, the most recent events I did. that happened. I did, and I I don't know if I have anything to say about it, but it's just, I understand that it's a very unusual thing to happen in that context. Yeah. But trying to unpick the psychology of it. I don't think I can fully understand it. I can't understand it either. I can't yeah. understand it, but equally. Well, I think the main take from it was that it just, it, it ruined it for everybody else who would, like, I mean... There's a bunch of people who won awards that... Yeah, I know. That Questlove won. Such a big... Yeah, Questlove. He, did he win Best Director? Uh, documentary, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Have you seen that film? Summer I haven't seen Assault. it yet. It's no, amazing. No. Is it? Is it? Yeah, it's really moving, actually. Really, yeah, really yeah, wonderful that, film. It, it's on my to-watch list, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it definitely definitely kind of shot on everybody's chips, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, it really did, yeah. There were some other sort of progressive... Wins, yeah. There was and like they've been completely overshadowed to yeah. the extent that I can't remember what they are now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of proving your point, isn't yeah. it? Um, I think a guy uh, won a, a deaf oh, actor, deaf, yeah, won an film, award. The film won Best Picture, didn't it? Which won Best yeah. Picture as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson won an award, apparently. Right, this is his first Oscar. Wow, there you go. Yeah, but anyways, I think the yeah, I think that's the main point that I've taken away from it is like, you know. There's a lot of other stuff went on, and yeah, that's so exactly. annoying that that's taken the yeah. headlines. But you know, anyways, anyways, you've been to award shows. How many awards have you won? You must have won. We a few haven't awards. really won any. We've been nominated for a lot. We won an award once. We won a South Bank Award. It was like a Sunday Times okay. South Bank show, like a Melvin Bragg's thing, right? And we were nominated in a sort of multidisciplinary category. Yeah. Um, so it was like all different kinds of artists, as in actors, dancers, yeah. um, and we won Nice as the token musicians or whatever. I think it was called the Breakthrough <laughs> Award, and I remember this because it was broadcast on Sky Arts. Right. And just before they, and I think Michelle Dockery, 
was the actress reading out who won the award. She was presenting it. I don't know who that is, sorry. I, I'm not totally sure I'm right about that. I can't remember. I'll have to ask Michael, because he remembers these things, and he actually knows who actors are. I think she's... I think she was from the northeast. Okay. I can't remember who she was. Um... Anyway, she she read out. She was sort of doing the preamble, re- reading out, mm-hmm. the, saying these are true artists, and I sort of realised that who she was talking about was us. And the camera at this pi- point is on me, <laughs> and my mum's watching this at home, and you can see me mouth the words, "Oh my god, we fucking won!" <laughs> Get in. So that was funny, and then we went and uh, had to go up and claim our award. Oh, Which is the man. only time that's ever happened. Um, and John made a very ham-fisted speech. Really? <laughs> yeah, in which he thanked our pets and our parents <laughs> or something like that. It was, it was, And the whole thing is a bit of a blur because it was a very long time ago and also because it just involves a huge amount of day drinking. Okay. That's right, what yeah, awards yeah. do's are. You sort of think that they're taking place in the evening, but they're, they're actually... Not. They, they start at like 11.30. What? <laughs> yeah. Right, wow. Yeah. And I've, we've been to... Other ones, we've had a couple of Mercury nominations, and um, oh, yeah, of the Q Awards always used to be quite fun because there would be much more sort of starry, like yeah. there would be big stars at that thing. Mm-hmm. So I remember half cut me and John saying, "Let's go and talk to Chris Martin. He likes our band." Right. <laughs> We're just right. pissed. Right. So on our way over to talk to Chris Martin, this hand reaches out to John from from one of the adjacent tables and it's Noel Gallagher and he says I've seen you on the telly <laughs> have you met Bono? <laughs> what? <laughs> and I think he d- he knew what kind of a grenade he was rolling into the room because it's just really funny to introduce young bands to Bono because Bono then holds oh, so forth Bono was Bono next sat, to with, sat, with, uh, sat with Noel Gallagher and I, and I just watched John kind of get the full force of both of these megastars which was wow. really funny to watch Bono. But yeah, those those days were relatively short-lived. It was uh, all that stuff seemed to happen in the first few years. So what was that like? Uh, just kind of because you because you were this new band on the scene, kind of yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah, and be- we were a new, a relatively new major label signing, and yeah. actually the whole landscape was different in those days. There was just more room for what is. Mm-hmm however misleadingly referred to as a guitar band yeah um and there isn't as much space for that now and there certainly isn't as much space for a band as far into its career as us which is just the way of these things I, you know i don't think there's anything wrong with that it's the the yeah. nature of the art form is is about novelty and the ephemeral and mm-hmm. And also progress, you know, moving moving things forward. Yeah. Um, so I don't feel cheated in any way for the fact that we're no longer really as much of a mainstream concern. But, but I think it's uh, equally, by the same token, kind of kind of a huge privilege that we're still here and doing this stuff. Yeah, I think. Well, you guys have done a really good job of your career. I mean, I'm what is it? How long is it, how long is your career? Uh, fifteen years. Fifteen years, now. but like what? Six albums six in, in fifteen years? Yeah. Well, yeah, it will be come May. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's tremendous. That six albums in fifteen years is really it's really not good. Bad. Hitch, mate, and yeah. then you know they're all really really good albums as well. Oh, thank you. 
yeah i'm really excited to to see what this one Thank is all you. about we actually saw it arrive yesterday our manager brought it it was like that smell the glove is here scene oh, nice. like so are, are you selling it, it on the, the uh, no tour? we're not because it's not out until may we just happened to see some test pressings yesterday yeah, yeah. which was nice oh that's good so how have you yeah i do want to do a little bit of a deep dive into the whole recording process of course of the it's just the wind yeah, <laughs> um, probably trying to take shelter from the hail. Maybe feel quite bad, like. Have you locked them out? <laughs> well, the door is locked. Yeah. Well, they can knock on if they want to. Yeah, let's uh, just let them knock if they climb in through the front window. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I'm I'm really interested to hear about your recording process. If that's not too nerdy no, of a topic to to approach. Um, well, this what's like really. In general, do you mean, or like this record? Yeah, just, or? well, this this record, I mean, I guess, yeah, this record's the most relevant one, so yeah, let's start with this one. Well, this is so the first time that we've, in inverted commas, self-produced, mm-hmm. because Alex is a very adept and confident producer these days. Okay. In the same way that your Mickey has been. What is? Oh right? yeah, yeah. You know, just just one of those very gifted people, mm-hmm. um, and he's worked with a lot of other bands, and um, he'd never actually produced an everything everything album, and right. it was just time for that to happen. And it was also quite good timing in terms of our sort of um, self sustenance. You know, we've yeah. got to a point in our career now where we can do a lot of things in house, so we're yeah. making all the videos ourselves. And we have done that since the very get-go, really. Yeah, you have. I did. Which has given everything a kind well. of aesthetic signature. Yeah. But it's also meant that we keep quite tight control over things, which mm-hmm. is good. Um, and and now Alex is kind of in charge of the production of the music as well. So and I suppose on the last couple of albums, especially, there's not really been as much of a distinction between. The writing, the demoing, and the recording—it's just kind of all happened at once, because there shouldn't necessarily be any distinction between the two. So we've been chipping away at fragments of music that have become the songs for a, for yeah. a long time. It's and it was in the last few weeks that all the arrangements and bits and pieces came together. And then we went to a studio in Eve uh, in Stockport, sorry, called Eve, around the corner from our own studio. And we just did a week of bass and drums there, mm. and another week or so of vocals. Yeah. And Alex did bits and pieces in his own studio, and that's it really. So rather than sort of hiring a farmhouse and going bananas for <laughs> six weeks, yeah. and not leaving, you know, just we we did it in a much more itinerant way, which sort of suits everyone's lifestyles these days. Now that there are so many sort yeah. of Children and mortgages and marriages in the picture. It's you, easier you, for uh, us to be. A, an, uh, I'm. I have a stepson. Got a long-tailed yeah, tit over there. No, actually, I'm wrong. It's a. Uh, it's just actually a great tit. My bad. Where's this? He, he just flew up onto that tree there. He was on the feeder. Ah, yeah. Yeah. According to the poster, though, long-tailed tits are around, aren't they? Yeah, I've been seeing quite a lot of them recently. Um, very nice birds. Um, so yeah, you've got you've got oh. kids. I'm, I, I don't have any kids myself, but in in little comets, there's there's a mm-hmm. lot of kids. Mm-hmm. 
I running mean, around. It, it, it's 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 been good for us in lots of ways. I mean, obviously, it's good for us. Um, but the way that it's changed the the way the band works has actually been quite beneficial in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, is that a gun? <laughs> it sounds <laughs> suspect. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. I mean, there there is a busy road next to us. I suppose it's possibly some old motor backfire, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah so, so we're talking about recording, weren't we? Yeah. So yeah. So this has been a much more sort of. <clears throat> patchwork process rather than nice. one long expensive posh session with a hired name producer we mm-hmm. had some really good times making five albums that way um, and it's always good to change your working processes who's this here? this is a, a female chaffinch by the looks oh, yeah. of it um, similar kind of markings to the now, male now but they're a little are, bit hmm? for the benefit of the tape I will repeat what I told you earlier which is that Jonathan and Michael from Everything Everything were yeah. at Queen Elizabeth High School in a band called Chaffinch. There we go. That's yeah, I think um, I think bird names are really good for uh, for band names. For yeah. band names, yeah. There was a sort of screamo band called Finch in the two thousands that oh, I saw a few times. Yeah, that rings a bell. I'm probably inaccurate when I say screamo. <laughs> the the very sensitive um, subgenres of the the sort of scene adjacent to metal yeah. is something I'm not very good at yeah same same <laughs> same yeah you you got, you got to tread lightly when you're calling somebody a, a new metal exactly. band or something yeah. like that or is it post hardcore yeah is it post hardcore became emo oh, I don't know <laughs> yeah I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not involved in that scene so no I never was really I mean, I, I I liked some of the music when I was growing up. Like, it was very much into kind of. I mentioned it on another podcast episode where uh, I listened to a lot of like American uh, bands. Like what? Like, like I was really into Incubus when I was growing up. Yeah. yeah, and um, you know the whole kind of. I'm a, I'm at that age where the whole um, like the goth skater uh, yeah. scene happened in the UK and like Kerrang music came about so what know. like Deftones and yeah Deftones like Corn and, and yeah, yeah. a bit of Slipknot and a bit yeah. of Limp Bizkit and all that kind of stuff Slipknot are a funny band because I never really listened to them I remember people being really into them at school mm-hmm. but whenever I hear them now I think it's so distinctive and it's so yeah. self-assured you know exactly who you're listening to Yeah, it's really catchy it's really quite poppy music and yeah. I just think they're a band that really know themselves really well, oh, they, and they've you know they've been through a lot in twenty odd years. Yeah, definitely. and I basically really admire them. You know, all the presentation is is very carefully considered. Yeah, I mean they've totally changed their own genre. Yeah, they they um they tapped into something and then just kind of you know yeah were able to really. I think they'll be remembered fondly that band. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, I find I've it really, really odd that um, the lead singer Corey Taylor mm. has his own kind of um, career as well. And he in does, he, wasn't he in a band called Mushroom Head? Um, I, I have no idea. He was in another band. Oh no, it's Stone Sour. Stone it, Sour, yeah, it, yeah. And um, but he's also like he also a solo artist as well. Sort of folky solo. It's, I think yeah. it's kind of like Americana, like country rock, yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, I may be wrong. With that. Sorry for you. I'd see, I think I think that kind of speaks of quite a nuanced musical brain which is good yeah, you know? yeah exactly yeah. but yeah that, that whole scene that's it's interesting because Jonathan 
has the same sort of experience. Like he was really into the stuff that led up to new metal. New metal made it kind of macho and stupid, you know, mm-hmm. Limp Biscuit. Yeah. But I guess if I was being generous, you could say the corn were and Deftones were were doing something that was genuinely new. That blend of like hip hop and rock, yeah. I suppose. I didn't like it though. And I wasn't into <laughs> I wasn't in, I just I just didn't come across it. I listened pretty exclusively to like British indie music, I suppose. Yeah. Until, uh, sorry. Until I got into like much tougher um, music via um, the math rock scene. Yeah. In my hometown. Right. Which was somewhat unexpectedly. Yeah. Um, yeah. For whatever reason, the predominant sound of Tunbridge Wells in the <laughs> early two thousands was like slint and shellac. Yeah, yeah. And That's so cool. I got really into sort of like harder edged American music that way rather than mm-hmm. like even Nirvana, who I greatly appreciate. I didn't have a huge relationship with it in my teens, really. Yeah. I sort of I worked mean, my way back to it via that early 90s Chicago scene. Yeah. What, well, the Albini? Albini, uh, yeah, his oeuvre. Mm-hmm. Jesus Lizard. Yeah. I feel as like for people our age we're, we're, we're pretty much the same age um, yeah it was either, you either leaned towards the indie Britpop yeah s- side of things yeah. or you went a little or you bit went further down the American route, so yeah. that kind of like you know Blur Oasis yeah. uh, Manic Street Preachers yeah I was really uh, into all of that um, who else I think like Radiohead as well Radiohead yeah or you kind of or Pulp and, yeah yeah I think I was just personally just influenced a lot by America yeah um had this fascination with it growing up, watching movies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Really always wanted to kind of... I, I, as, as a kid, like, my mum and dad took me to, like, uh, me and my brother to Florida a few wow. years running. Um, I think my dad was, like, he, he was, I don't know, he's probably getting paid too much money for his job <laughs> or something, so he took me, like, consecutive years. Ooh, who's this? There's the male chaffinch right in front oh, of me. Oh, he's very nice. So, yeah, I think at an early age, going to America to like Disneyland and stuff like that kind yeah. of opened my eyes to that and I think I was just a little bit uh, probably unhealthily obsessed with America for a little while well you're hardly alone in that respect you know yeah. all of our culture is certainly growing up in the 90s and the 2000s you know it's very Americanized culture I yeah. never went to America until I went with the band and I was already 25 or 26 at that point I remember seeing you going to there because mm. um I remember you did like a news show or something, didn't you? You played live on like a Good yes, Morning America yeah, or did. something. We did. Mad we like that. straight off the plane and we hadn't slept. And it was, was it like a South by Southwest so related thing as well? Yeah, was it was. It? it was in. Um, yeah, I remember. It was in Austin, Texas, and we did like their <laughs> local news channel. Yeah. Which, you know, by the standards of Europe, to do like a a, a Texas only TV station, which would be like playing BBC. Radio Newcastle, you know, yeah. um, it's like playing a national outlet because it's so big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Texas, you know, famously is bigger than France. Um, wow. So we went and did it, and it was like a, as you say, a sort of a bit like playing on the one show or something like that. Yeah. But in an American AM format, and yeah. we were playing a song called "Mikey's Your Boyfriend," which is sort of vaguely about American foreign policy of the 2000s <laughs> and um, and when I watched it back there was like a scrolling bar across the bottom of the screen okay, yeah. which was literally reporting the number of like 
Al-Qaeda insurgents killed that day oh, and stuff. Christ. It was really, it was, yeah, and things like that. It was, a, it was a very weird juxtaposition. Yeah. I just remember you posting about it on your, on your websites and stuff, <laughs> and I was just like, what? What? I know, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah. The band you've seen play The Head of Steam is on, like, American yeah. TV. Speaking of The Head of Steam, yeah, we actually kind of go... We, I feel like we should have crossed paths a little bit sooner than we already did. Well, I know, because um, I feel like we actually only met properly for the first time, like, when we did... What was that festival on the quayside? Yeah, it was... Um, uh, this is Tomorrow <laughs> Festival. This is Tomorrow, that's it, yeah. And Comets were playing, and you were... And, yeah, we we hung yeah, out then, didn't we? But we've definitely been in the same room repeatedly over the course of the last fifteen years. Well, we? I mean, we've both like cut our teeth on the same the, the same kind of Newcastle yeah. circus, head of steam, and the yeah. Clooney and all that kind yeah. of stuff. I actually remember seeing yeah, the first time I saw everything, everything live was at the other rooms. Oh yeah, at digital. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, weird gig that it was. Not it was a, it was a funny time as well. Yeah, but I remember. Everyone, like every one of my friends, was like, "Right, we're all going to see everything. Everything is going to be brilliant." And, and we were, it was sort of in this like upstairs in a nightclub. Yeah, kind of it's venue. like it was if for for a brief moment of time in the Newcastle scene. It was this, like it was quite a good venue to play. Yeah. I don't know what it's like now. I don't know if it's still. I, we haven't been since. No, I'm not sure if it is. It didn't feel like it felt like it was more of a nightclub. Yeah, thing. definitely. And oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure it was like a club night as well. There was, a, yeah. there was there's a long tail tit on oh, top yeah. of the feeder right there. Can you see yeah. it? I feel bad that I've got the only pair of binoculars. Oh, no, a lovely long tail. I'm, uh, I'm I'm fortunate enough to have very good eyesight. You are good. Sharp-eyed. Well, I, I was mentioning last episode that uh, you just get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of tune into it, you know. It's like practice with bird watching. But yeah, I remember that gig really well because... You played with a band called Findo Gask. Oh yeah, and I adore I need, that band. Yeah, need to give those guys like an honorary mention here because yeah. after that gig, I was I was a big fan of theirs. Yeah, but they were they, a was, band. they were a short-lived band, unfortunately. They were a, another chronically underappreciated British band. Yeah, there were a lot of them out there. <laughs> I remember um, they kind of just I, I I don't know what happened to them exactly, but I just kind of watched them from. Through like MySpace, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. yeah, we was really into their music. And I'm glad that they eventually put. Well, they put out a lot of singles. I think there was eventually an album. Was there? I met, or certainly mm-hmm. an album's worth of songs online. But I remember my my old band um, played a gig with Dutch Uncles, mm-hmm. and I think I think it was that gig that one of the guys from Finno Gask was like tour managing them or something. Oh, really? That yeah, that might have been Gavin. Gav yeah. was doing a lot of, who was the sort of keyboard player in Findo. Yeah, yeah. He was doing a lot of uh, front of house and tour management. And yeah. he was doing like a French band latterly called Francois and the Atlas Mountains. And Gerard from Findo Gask was kind of bilingual Glaswegian who sort of lived in, worked in France a lot. So he was playing as part of that band at that time. Mm-hmm. It's funny though, isn't it? The, all the, the family tree stuff, it reaches so far. Yeah. You, know, you mentioned Dutch uncles who are our kind of compatriots from Manchester. and Yeah. And How are they doing at the minute? <coughs> they are working on new music. I know because I had to lend Robin a bass amp. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Robin's kind of like the... the He's mi- the probably like the primary the, songwriter, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is. He's I was really surprised of, um, to hear that. Frank like, Zappa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, creative, yeah. Yeah, I always try and catch Dutch uncles when they come through Newcastle. Really, yeah, really, really good band. Really great band. And yeah. I remember I, I've always tied those in with you guys because it was like it was Dutch Uncles, everything, everything, and um, 
well, Sindor Gask, obviously, but you, you all had something to do with a TV station. Yeah, Channel M. In, in Manchester. Manchester, yeah. Yeah. Interesting that you bring that up because that was a really good way to see brand new bands in the 2000s. It was and I remember speaking to like industry heads down in London and they were like, yeah, we all watch Channel M yeah. to look for new acts. And it was a local TV station in Manchester. It was such a cool idea. Oh, oh, it's yes. a J. It's a J. This guy made an appearance in the last episode. Did he? Yeah. Same, same guy. Probably the same guy. Oh, he is gorgeous. Yeah, take so a good look at him. He they... is. As I oh yes, here he comes. Yes, what? He is. Um, he's a Corvid, right? He's a part of the Crow family. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Like Magpie Crows. Yeah. There he goes. Oh, Magpie's Crows as well. Oh, and we've got and another Magpie. That's that was the second J coming in. Oh no, that's that was a Magpie. I think, I don't know if there's any basis for what I'm about to say whatsoever, but I feel like magpies have really increased in number, certainly in towns and cities, in the last few years, around where I lived in Manchester. Mm. There were just fewer and fewer songbirds and more and more magpies. Right. I think they're quite aggressive. Oh, look, here he is. It felt like they were doing some sort of hostile takeover (laughs) in Old Trafford. (laughs) Is that where you, are you living in Manchester area? I'm not anymore, but I, I did for many years. I'm in London now. So how are you? Are you all kind of like in the same place, or are you a band that can? Me and can Mike work? are both in London, but we're like opposite sides of London. Uh-huh. Alex is in Shrewsbury now, which is where his wife's family comes from, and John's still in Manchester, and we still have our studio in Manchester. So when we are working, that's where we are. Yeah, but everyone's a bit more. It's really cool. Deracinated these days. Are able to still work together like that? Yeah, it's. I think, to to a great extent, we've been used to it from the get go. Because when Alex joined the band, he wasn't living in Manchester. Mm-hmm. So, and I think once you get past a certain stage in your career, it doesn't really matter where you're based. Once if you're working, you're working, and you're just in that mode, and you're on the road, or wherever. Yeah. So yeah. It's worked out all right for us. I think you have to... There's another J. That's another J, yeah. Yeah. Good spot. Are they both males? I don't know, because this, this J on the left here that's closer to yeah. it has like quite a white head, and yeah. I wonder what that means, because I'm sure... Wow, that, look at that. Yeah. There See, if you look at him, he looks like he's got a little bit less of a white head. Yeah, you're right. So I wonder if that's how... Cause it, well, J's are so elusive that I've not really had enough time to kind of... Like study them, so to speak. One or two of them in my garden at Manchester. Well, that's really good that you get them in your garden because well, they're, they're notoriously yeah. And I, uh, down south, when I was a kid, we used to see them a lot. Mm-hmm. But they do seem to be rarer now. I found a jay feather on the floor, and apparently that's really quite a, a lucky thing to do because not only is it it was it was the wing feather of a of a jay, which is the nice yeah the nice bright blue, blue and black kind of shininess. Um, because they've only got a small amount of their, their feathers, which yeah. are those feathers, to find one of them, apparently, I, I looked it up online, it's got some kind of like significance to it, you know. Um, but when I picked it up, I picked it up, I, I spotted it when it was face down, so the, the back of the feather is actually white. So for some reason, I just right. I just felt the need to pick up this <laughs> feather, so when I turned it over, it was That's like, blue. Wow. what the hell is this? So when I took it home and looked out what it was, this um, this jay in the tree looks really different to the one on the ground. 
Oh, I think there probably is a different sex because that, that one that's just flown off from the tree, it's almost pink around the the head. What's the book say? Consult the book. So, let's see. It's J234. So you usually got like a. There's your long tailed tip right there before. Oh, yeah. There's a little head. Um, nut hatch. Yeah. And there's the tree creeper. Yeah, I see. So sort of kind of beak shape. Yeah. yeah. So where are we? Two three four cords. Yeah, you were right. Um oh, these both of the pictures on this diagram are both adults. So right. <laughs> um but yeah they don't have as much of a, a white head. No. Uh adult and junior white rump. No. Sexes are similar, adult and juvenile have mainly pinkish buff body plumage, except for a white plump, undertail and lower belly. The wings are marked with a black and white pattern and by a checkerboard patch of blue, black and white. Yeah, it doesn't really say anything about the, the white the head, so yeah. maybe if you're listening and you understand maybe the different uh, subspecies, get in touch. Yeah. Well, I can see five squirrels sort of dancing around this mallard this very stolid yeah. stoical ma mallard who yeah. has been here all afternoon yeah kind of been the the rock of the uh, of the, great the burn watch great tip great tip, great tip by the looks of it yeah. so how are you finding your, your little experience in the bird I'm hide? really enjoying it have you done this kind of stuff before I don't think I've ever done this kind of stuff oh wow so I guess if you're like living in London there's not a great deal of this there's kind of stuff a, no there's not a huge amount but like when I was in Kent and going down to see family in Sussex and stuff. There are a lot of these sort of, especially like wetlands, yeah, that you could go and see. It would just be somewhere to to have a sort of forced Boxing Day walk <laughs> yeah. when I was a kid. Um, but, but if I'd had my eyes open, I probably would have seen a bit more of this yeah. stuff. But this is the kind of thing that you can't appreciate when you're a younger man, isn't it? <laughs> this is very much a middle-aged pastime. Yeah, definitely. Which, you know, I mean, there's right that, I don't you. know if you watch Rick and Morty, but there's this little gag, yeah, little gag in there where he says something along the lines of like, wow, you really wasted your 30s doing your bird-watching phase. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and, and when I heard that joke, I was like, oh, oh fuck, God. that's me. I've come to it too, <laughs> too soon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's nice, though, to... Well, as I said to you before, you know, it's just nice to be outside of the touring... Yeah, definitely. ...the travelling circus environment <laughs> to come somewhere. I never thought pastoral. of it like that. I never thought of it like that. Another deer's coming out. looks like a female. Yes. Let's have a look on the old... Get the binks on. Yeah, get the binks on here. A little bit to the left. Yeah. Oh, kind of going through the trees. Can't there. see quite through the trees. Looks quite young. Looks little. Yeah. I think before we wrap it up, I'd just like to kind of talk a little bit about the new album. Oh, yeah. A little bit more about the new album, because I saw something written somewhere that, and you're going to have to explain this to us, because I didn't quite understand it. What's the artificial intelligence aspect of this album all about? Because I saw a sentence written somewhere <laughs> that it's kind of, a lot of it's artificially generated or something? So, basically... Could you help me out? <laughs> I can help you out, yeah. The AI element is kind of twofold in as much as it had 
an aesthetic purpose. Once we finished the music, we we started kind of making the artwork using an AI process called GAN. Gan. John loved the fact that it was called Gan. <laughs> Press Gan. Um, oh look, there's that deer up at the back there. Yeah. Um, and um, but before that, he was interested in working with machine learning with AI to write lyrics which was a really interesting idea we thought because it was a bit like a kind of modern version of um, the what was the thing that Bowie did that he got from Ballard J.G. Ballard the cut ups thing was it, or was it um, Burroughs William Burroughs one of those writers used to just cut oh yeah 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 sentence fragments and then and just lay them out in front of them out and, yeah and mm. write that way yeah and Bowie used to do that and then obviously Bowie and Eno had their oblique strategies. Oblique cards, strategies, yeah. All that. And we thought this was sort of related to that in as much as you can put the source information that goes into the machine learning, as in the stuff it learns, that's entirely down to us. Yeah. So John chose to put the sayings of Confucius, all of Beowulf in, <laughs> to represent kind of ancient literary wisdom and the oral tradition and all of that mm-hmm. sort of one end of human written expression and then the other end of human written expression he put in 400,000 4chan comments like wow. really nasty internet underbelly stuff Wow! and best of all the entire terms and conditions from LinkedIn <laughs> <laughs> so those four elements right. we gave to a to a guy called Mark Hanslip, who's like an AI expert who we've worked with remotely. Uh-huh. And he put this into his machine learning. And then you kind of give it prompts to to write very freely based on what it's learned. If it's, it's the, the, the sum total of its knowledge of the four things we gave it to read, which mm-hmm. are quite extensive. Yeah, yeah. If you then give it another prompt saying, write something to me about a fire it, it, it will do that wow and it, it there were reams and reams and reams of very strange invective that it came out with mm-hmm. and every now and then there would be like a total gem in there that you could right. either lift wholesale yeah, and yeah. put into the into the lyrics or it would make John think differently and write differently sure. himself so it sure, was a kind yeah. of two way street and in practice it's probably only really made it onto five, ten percent of the record. Mm-hmm. It's made in that way, but it definitely affected how John was thinking and definitely writing. Helped, yeah. Which I think I, he needed that after five albums of talking about. You know, it's quite a broad palette what we do, but I think he still felt, nevertheless, that he'd been talking about the same stuff for ten years, sure, yeah, yeah, and that he needed a, a sort of outside influence and some and something to kind of. Take some of the take on some of the emotional labour, yeah, and yeah. for him to 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 make that the responsibility of a of a cutting edge technology and a machine is very typical, actually. <laughs> I, I mean, you were just describing all of that to me there, and, and I don't I don't know John, I, I don't know Jonathan at all, but from the stuff that I've kind of just from being a fan, yeah, read or heard yeah. or seen, that seems very typical of Jonathan. Well, this is exactly <laughs> you know we just thought this is very us. We were really into the idea when he suggested it. Yeah. Um, and I think it stood us in good stead. The, yeah. the extra confusing element is that we named the AI Kevin. 
And, and that's the guy who's sending me text messages, isn't it? There's a, there's a man called Kevin who's <laughs> bothering you now. <laughs> but yeah. Kevin is actually an unrelated protagonist on the album. We just happened to name the, the, the AI after this Kevin character that John put in a couple of the songs. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's quite, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of gone full circle. But that's, you know, again, that's quite typical of us. It's so that's, quite, you've it's quite done, a, a narratively complex album. Yeah, well, you've... you've yeah. You did something similar a while ago with a guy called was it is it is it Dave Sardine? Oh, I wondered if he was going to come up. I want to. I, I still to this, this day have no thing. fucking idea what the hell he was all about. It, I can lift it, the lid on Sardine finally. He, he, <laughs> well, he popped up in some of your like behind the scenes album recording sessions, yeah. didn't he? Like, yeah. He was usually sat behind the desk, yeah. spouting off some crazy nonsense. Yes. So he, yeah, go for it. So. I don't know whether to give you the myth now or, or how it came about, but right. um, I may as well tell the truth after all this time. No, basically, our manager in like 2009, we were driving back from a gig somewhere and our manager was out, our first manager, was out getting pissed with Zane Lowe and phoned us. And Zane was in his element and was sort of yelling down the phone at us about how we should work with an American producer called Dave Sardi, who has done like Foo Fighters albums yeah, and yeah. stuff. I think he's quite well known. He was a yeah, big, he, big rock producer. He did in one the of the Catfish and the Bottom End records. Did he? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, and we were sort of sniggering in the van going, Who the hell is Dave Sardine? <laughs> <laughs> and when we went to Wales to make Man Alive, our first album, uh-huh. there was this traditional Spanish papier mache mask in the control room. That's right, yeah. And John just put it on and just sort of inhabited this this sort of down-on-his-luck old-school producer from Manchester <laughs> called Dave Sardine. So what, like, like actual has, Jim Carrey's The Mask where he puts yeah, it on? Yeah, he puts it on and it just becomes a different character, yeah. Interesting. And um, he has been a feature of all of our recording sessions and I think most of our videos since... Really? Like he's in a lot of the videos. He'll what, just, like he'll be in one frame. No way. The mask will come, and then Sardine will be there for one moment. It's not even always John. Sometimes one of the rest of us wears the mask. Get in. But yeah, I he's. Um, I love that. Little... Day Sardine as a as a sort of construct, as a character for mm-hmm. f- within the everything everything concept, um, has been a, a kind of a place to put all the things that we think are daft about the music industry. Do you know what I mean? Excellent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. where it all I like goes. Like and also, I think the the Mancunian sort of real music trope. Yeah. You know, the yeah. sort of wearing a parka and and being really into the jam. <laughs> you know, which was a big thing in Manchester. Yeah. It's still something of an uphill struggle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel. I feel what you're on about there. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thanks very much for my um, pleasure. Thank for, you for for, sh- for for being here and also shedding light on Dave Sardine. I know. Um, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been an absolute you. pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for um, having me. We've seen some absolutely fantastic birds. We have actually. It's been yeah. Uh, it's been pretty busy. Yeah, the jays, good highlight. Yeah, uh, the deer, the nut well. hatch, two nut deer. hatch. Glad you saw the nut hatch. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad I learned about the Egyptian goose. I'm going to be uh, checking those out from next in that yeah, area. It's but been yeah. lovely. So your album comes out May twentieth. May twentieth, his album's out. We're on tour at the moment, although we won't be by the time this goes out. I'm sure. Oh, we're around, basically. You are going to be going out very shortly, actually. Oh, um, good. What day is it today? Saturday. Saturday. Um, you'll be out next Monday. 
Yeah. Oh, okay, so, yeah. we might still be on. Where we should still be on the road at that point. Yeah. Okay. Well. Check us out. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Jeremy. Thanks Thank very much. Thank you so much, Matt. All right. Ciao. Ciao. There it is. Episode nine. Thanks to Jeremy for taking the time out to do this. Raw Data Feel is out on May the 20th. The band also have a few dates left of the tour, so go see them if you can. If you like the podcast, please give it a share and maybe even leave a little review. And if you're curious about the early purple, please give me a follow to keep up to date. There may be something coming sooner than you think. Um, Yeah, as always, thank you very much for listening. Have a lovely day and I'll see you in episode 10. Ciao, ciao.